Welcome to BFO Podcast Round 2. Today we have an amazing South Asian artist who quit his investment banking job to pursue his dreams. And he quotes himself as, let me pull that up, who is too creative for corporate and too analytical for artists. He creates art as a mirror to life and his approach is to light real and real life like a lamp from a different source. Quoted himself. Quoted. Uh, well, how, how do they put that? Is it like um, open quote or what, what do they say? Begin quote or end quote. I don't know. But yeah. as Pramika said, today we have an amazing artist by the name of Adit Dalip. And we're so excited to talk to him because his journey is one that so many of us face today. And our topic for the day is... How do you um, develop and sustain an artistic career after after having a stable job, as we talked about last week uh, with Deepthi? Yeah, um, the fact that he quit an investment banking job, which is like a dream career for a lot of Desi parents and a lot of Desi kids, is speaks high volumes about like passion and what creative. What am I trying to get here? It's not about income or security. It's about just, I feel like a lot of artists just go for that dreams because they just want to fulfill their desires with Pat, like creating something. Right. Yeah. And it, it was funny because um, I know you and I talked about this previously because we both almost went down very different career paths. Um, but I was reading an article today about how uh, there was there was a stand-up comedian who for his who opened his set by saying, "Oh my gosh, it's so quiet in here. It's like when you tell your a mom that you want to be a filmmaker and, and not a doctor," <laughs> and, and everybody just died laughing. But it just speaks to how uh, something so simple like not being able to or not not having the freedom to pursue your creative career is. Is such a widespread feeling amongst a lot of South Asians just because we're expected to to pursue certain roles and paths. Right. And that's um, that's all we're seen as doing. And I don't know about you, but personally, like you know, I've I've faced uh, situations where people have been surprised to see a brown woman in film in uh, in certain scenarios. Like it's even today, it's not that common but have you have you ever had to deal with something like that yeah of course even till today everyone in my family is like so why acting like why you're like smart enough you could do so much more you know you did econ as your bachelor's like why acting you're wasting your life what are you doing in my head I'm like why am I wasting my life if I'm pursuing what I want to do it's not like everyone has a set security Uh, let me put it this way just because everyone has a nine-to-five stable job doesn't mean they're happy as well. I know a lot of people that are in the corporate world and they're always like, oh my God, I wish I was doing what you were doing, but I just can't. I just want the stability. So it's, it's yeah. just weird. And what's the deal with you're so smart you could be doing better? Like, like this takes a lot of effort and smarts. Excuse you. I know. Just because I'm doing acting doesn't mean I'm dumb. I feel like right? actually you need to put 10 times more hard work and you're using your mental physical and like all the experience into one character and especially during this times or just 
working as a South Asian woman, trying to make it into the industry in Hollywood is extremely difficult and it takes a lot of strength to keep going forward. Yeah. And I feel like you and I, much like other women, forget women in film, just women in general, um, there's this idea that we need to have stable careers and not depend on the men in our lives and things like that. So I wonder if when we talk to it, we'll get into this a little deeper, but I wonder if um, male artists have an easier time of making that transition. Yeah, um, I'm kind of curious to find out what Abit talks about when he, like when we ask him about his parents and what they said and whether or not he had any challenges as a man who is a South Asian in the industry. I feel like, yeah, as a South Asian, it adds into layer, but even as a woman, I feel like it's a bit harder than men because I do see a lot more men playing uh, like I don't want to name drops but they I definitely do feel like there are a lot more South Asian men in the industry than women from mm-hmm. what I agree and I think it'll be interesting like as we go forward to to talk to other South Asians who've grown up in the U.S. or or basically just anywhere abroad and see if their experiences have been different I wonder if the the cultural environment makes a difference that's and there's true. not, there's, there's probably not as much uh, questions. <laughs> there better not be not. Even to today, when I like come home from late from a shoot or whatever I'm trying to do, my mom and dad are always like, you know, you have to come home earlier just because you're a girl. I'm like, ah, how does this have to do anything with me being a girl or a boy? Please explain. And then they're like, no, I didn't mean it that way. I'm just saying it's not safe. Yeah, okay. I love how, how family always gets like defensive, like, no, 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 no. You're, you're misunderstanding it. <laughs> That's not what I meant. What I meant is, mm-hmm. I no, stop. I, I know what you meant. Yeah. I think it, it's super funny because like when I started film school, and I think I've said this before, but my, my grandma has been like one of my biggest supporters um, in my career in film. And I remember um, I was still in grad school and it was probably a couple of months in and I was... Um, I called her up one morning. It was, I think it was like super early morning for me and it was like midday for her. And she starts like flipping out. She's like, you should be like uh, at home and in bed by like 9 p.m. Why are you out at like three in the morning? And I'm like, uh, is this kind of the life I've chosen for the foreseeable future? And then she, she got like really concerned. And she was like, but what about when you get married and you have children? Um, how are you going to be able to like sustain this life? Um, so I was like, you know, I don't know, but that's not, that's not even like my thought process at the moment. I'm, I'm in my very early twenties. I'm not thinking about a family and children, like sure, somewhere down the line, but I, I have a career to build first. And I don't know, I feel like possibly like our parents and grandparents who come from that period of time were expected to think of what their future families were going to do without them or whatever. Like I, I like having the freedom to be able to, to decide what I want first. Absolutely. And I like, although we are them, not as much as we want to, but we're still getting it compared to our parents or grandparents. I feel like for them, it means it's freedom. Like that's what my parents always talk about. Like we, 
I didn't get to do what you're getting to do. That means they're giving the freedom that they didn't get to have. Mm-hmm. So I feel like in their minds, that's freedom for them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I kind of don't blame them either. Like we talked about this last week too, about how they grew up in poverty and security was essential for them because of what happened prior to getting independence. There's a lot of struggles that they had to face. So their parents taught them education first, education first, stability first, stability first. You never know what happens. You never know what happens. So just with that mentality is how they grew up. So for them to even give access to like, okay, you could do acting. Okay, let's just see how that goes. Means they're giving freedom to us. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess that's where the question of, like filmmaking is not an inexpensive Mm -hmm. uh, career or hobby or whatever you want to call it, but everything costs money. And I feel like our heritage has just taught us to be frugal um, or thrifty at, at all times. It was super funny because like I was on set uh, like one or two weeks ago and this is like obviously under like COVID restrictions and everything. And at the end of the day, after the caterers had left, there was still this giant pile of coffee cups. And um, I was, I was uh, like, oh, should we just take these back to the office? Because I mean, sure, we can like discard the, the one on top and the one in the bottom. <laughs> And like, you know, we're all good. And then um, I think like the executive producer was like, sure, if you want a healthy side of COVID with that and like dumps the entire bag in the trash can and, and my my little Indian heart goes, that's such a waste. <laughs> and then and I, like one of the uh, account managers was like, you know, I can tell Natasha is like a very resourceful person and it's just like killing her to waste all of that paper. Yeah. I think that's just innate in us, especially growing up with our Daisy moms where everything is saved. Even if you had cut half onion, it needs to be saved for the next week or whatever you're cooking after. Absolutely. Everything needs to be saved. So, I still do that. I yeah. still save half an onion. Like it's probably like, you know, loses its potency after like being in the fridge, but I'm like, it's, it's physically over. there. Yep. <laughs> I can't throw it out. Yep. And it was, sorry, you were going to say no, I, yeah, that's what I meant. It's just innate in us because we've seen that. Even if like it's a jar, they don't throw the pasta jar. They like, you reuse that for something else, like put in the dal beans or something. Yep. Everything is yep. reusable in the Desi household. <laughs> that, that's why like whatever container you open, it's never not what you think it's supposed to be. Like, remember those, uh, those what was it? Those round uh, navy blue box tins of cookies? Mm, yeah, yeah, the Britannia. No idea what those cookies look like. <laughs> I've only ever seen sewing supplies in them. I'm like, we don't even sew anything. Why, why are there just threads and needles in here? Yeah, I still live with my parents. So whenever I open a yogurt box, it's not yogurt. It's something else. Same. The, like last night. Um, so we just got back from visiting uh, my boyfriend's family in Virginia and um, his mom sent us down with like tons of food. So we, so last night we were like super tired and didn't, didn't want to like cook dinner. So we we're like, oh, we'll just, we'll just pull out the leftovers. And he's like, oh yeah, there's like some in the fridge. I took it out earlier. I'm like, no, there's like five boxes of cheese, but there's, <laughs> there's not like macaroni or salad or whatever I was looking for. And then he like opens up boxes of cheese and it's it's like four or five different items, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is your cookie box. There's there's never cheese in there. There's just like every other dish that you're looking for. That's funny. 
<laughs> yeah, I I felt so dumb because I was like, I was like, I searched this fridge like four times. <laughs> you know, especially when you're like searching for something and and you can't find it, and then you call your mom, mm-hmm. and she's like, she walks in and she's like, what do I get if I find it? And you're like, whatever you want. I have I can't find it. It's not there. And then like two seconds, she's like, here you go. I'm like, dang it. And then it goes, have you looked hard enough? Your eyes, what are you thinking about that you're not looking at it properly? My mom's favorite line to that was, do you have eyes or potatoes? Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But shoot, I forget what it's it's called in Hindi. Alu? Alu. Yeah. Alu is potato. Yeah. She's like, eyes are alu. I was like, no. But yes, I, I, we digress. But um, yeah, the point was like, it. I think it, it will be interesting to learn what, because you and, I mean, okay, for me personally, I didn't have to make that transition. I was lucky enough that I was able to get into film early on and just kind of stay the path. But Adit was an investment banker for quite a few years and he has a very corporate background. And now he is a very successful actor and it's it's going to be really exciting to see what he has to say about that yeah. i want, i wonder if you if he had a chance i wonder if he would go back to investment banking <laughs> we should ask him that we should certainly yeah. ask him that yeah like for me coming from the finance background to acting i feel like even though i hated working there i am able to be analytical towards my acting career and figure out how i can brand myself and see how valuable I can be and not just think my dreams, I'm idealistic, you know? I feel like there's some sense of business in my head to go with my acting too. So that's what I learned. I feel like no matter what you do, there's always value to add into the creative aspect as well. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I, for me, um, I took a year off between my undergrad and my postgrad to figure out where I was going to like go with my master's. And I spent that year as a copy editor for a children's publishing magazine, not magazine, it was a children's educational publishing company. So like we would literally print like maths, physics, chemistry, uh, computer science textbooks. And a lot of what I learned from that was um, just how to make content more fun, more interesting and appealing to the children and obviously sharpen. I'm already a grammar Nazi. I just, it just sharpened my skills. And that helped me so much when I started writing scripts because then I knew where, um, what the attention span of a child would be or, mm-hmm. and like, you know, where, what the interesting, where the interesting bits needed to be. So that was, that was definitely uh, an, an interesting time. No, I feel like you worked and beyond customs with the child actor, right? I feel like that experience kind of resonated yeah. with helping her on set as well. A little bit, I, a, a little bit. Funny enough, um, so Beyond Customs is my thesis film. Here we have a bit. Hi. Hi, Bip. Hey. How are Thanks you? Thank you so much for joining us. Of course. Thank you for having me. Can you guys hear me all good? Everything's all Okay. So far, so good. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's, that's a very cool. Um, yeah, I was looking at that too. Little <laughs> triangle. I have Victor. It's fun, right? Yeah, I know. It's like it's like my little thing, you know. I don't have too many like stuff on the walls, but I have a little light and a little fun. <laughs> does, does it mean anything? 
Or it's just- uh, I made it, I made it into an A, but I change it all the time. So like I had it for a wolf for a while, you know, it's just like kind of fun to play around and like make, make the space a little bit mine. Yeah. I've never seen anything like it. I love it. Yeah. I like your space too. It's so bright. It's Where so are- fake. Oh, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm still working on, um, redesigning the studio because my, my housemates also record a podcast. So yeah. like, we're going to throw this up for right now. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, so realistic. Real little. Now I Thank see you. Yeah. Thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm trying very hard to stay in one place so I don't just like blend <laughs> in. <laughs> <laughs> you can get our invisible cup from somewhere too. Yeah, I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, love, I love this feature because I feel like I'm in like Hogwarts or something where I'm just like, I would like some chai. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Branded. <laughs> Bromica, I like how you're matched with the wall. No. Oh, thank you. I tried. Everything's yeah. blue. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah. So, so thank you so much for coming. It was incredible to like for you to agree, and we were so excited to talk about your transition from investment backing to acting. That's quite a big dip, right? So can you like yeah. walk us through that? And then South Asian as an Indian, how did you tell your parents, "I want to be an actor. I want to quit my investment banking job and take all the money out"? <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. I know it's it's really interesting because there is a big switch that happened with me, but I never quite saw it that way. It was one of those things, you know, I get that question all the time and it's, it's a good one, especially, you know, how I told my parents because, and then family is a big part of my life in general. And part of my story is that I have an older sister. Um, She, she went to, when we moved here, I moved here. I was born in India, um, Bangalore, grew up in Singapore for most of my life and then moved here. And when we moved here, my sister was applying to college and she went to art school and, you know, it was going to go economics, but she went to art and she was the one who could draw, she could paint, you know, she's just like artistically extremely talented. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of noticed at, at a young age that we were quite an artistic family, but we were very afraid of committing to that. And my <laughs> sister too, like, you know, she didn't say anything about art school until, you know, maybe two months before. And then she's like, so I applied to art school and I got in and they're like, what? You know, it was one of those moments. Exactly. And the first thing my parents did after they let her go was they turned to me and I'm a kid, you know, I was like 15 or something. And they're like, you have to stay the path like, we <laughs> and you have to go. And you know, I, I joke about it because at the time I really didn't know any better and I was doing well in school, but everything I did was had a little tint of, you know, performance. You know, I was emceeing at the Indian Association in our county. I was making videos for classes. I was trying to do things out of the ordinary, but I knew I wanted to be in films and be an actor, but I was so insecure about saying that as a kid because you say that and you're just like, you know, no, nobody takes you seriously. <laughs> And, you know, saying I want to be an actor, like I can say that now, but back then I really wasn't so comfortable with saying that. And what kind of happened was I decided to go to business school because they were like doctor, lawyer, engineer. Right. And I was like, how about business? They're like, oh, that's that's great. That'll be perfect. And I thought in my head I would go to business school 
so that I could learn how to like take care of myself, be an entrepreneur and then do what I want to do. And so NYU was a big part of that because even at NYU, I knew Tish was there. I knew the film school was good. I knew the business school was also good. And I tried to surround myself with film people. Like even freshman year, I lived with all Tish kids. Um, I joined a program called Explorations, which is all about like living with people who are interested in film and we'd see productions around the city. And again, it was me and like two other business kids, you know? Um, so I think my parents had a feeling, but they kind of always hoped it would die down. Mm-hmm. And in business school, I was the guy who was asking people, what is banking? You know, like, what do you do? And everyone's like, well, you make a lot of money. And I'm like, great. But like, what is a day to day? Like what, what's, what's, you know, what's the reason people go into it? And when I, when I worked, I didn't work in just banking. I worked in so many different fields because I really wanted to see if I was just, you know, also dreaming it up or maybe, you know, maybe I was supposed to be in business. So throughout college, I did a lot of different jobs. I did publishing, I did um, SEO management, I did accounting, I did finance, I did consulting, and all of them sort of felt like the things that school helped me with, but I wasn't interested in. So it became this thing of, let me go banking, let me save up, not tell my parents about my plan. And then, you know, all my colleagues were getting like $1,000 suits with their bonus and all this stuff. And I was just putting it away and started to write and make a series. Um, and so that was the first thing I did, actually. It was I made a web series called Nate 5 to 9. Um, it was just about, you know, when I look back on it, it's a little horrifying, but at the time I needed to do something to prove <laughs> myself that it was real, you know, otherwise I was just talking. Mm-hmm. And so it, it was really interesting because that got me to say, okay, I do care about this. And I also don't know what I'm doing. So I need to do it. Um, in terms of telling my parents, it was really, I remember where we were, like we were doing a trip to the Grand Canyon and my family loves to travel. So, you know, we were doing a family trip and I was like, okay, I got to do it. I got to do it now. <laughs> I just like felt like this is the moment. And I remember my mom just couldn't say anything to me. You know, she was just silent, which is, I almost prefer if she would yell at me, but like silence is like, Ooh. do you think like, she was like contemplating me just like pushing you off the Grand Canyon and being like, <laughs> we'll just make a new one. And like, oh. <laughs> this way a little bit. Yeah. This, this way. <laughs> I'll take your headshot for you. <laughs> and, and my dad, you know, was, talking to me, but what I realized was they didn't understand, you know, and I can understand why they didn't understand. But at the moment I was like, I've been talking about this for a while. You guys just haven't been listening. And they really didn't quite get it up until, you know, lucky for me, knock on wood about a year or so after when they saw me getting work and, you know, we're Indian parents. It's like outside vetting is more important than inside vetting. So it's like, when you have someone call them be like, I saw your son on TV. They're yeah. like, yeah. You know? And I'm like, why does it take you that for, for, for you to accept what I'm doing? You know, of course. Exactly. <laughs> I feel like we just need to make a separate segment. This is low. Yeah. It can be like rapid fire, you know? <laughs> So, so that was, that was my process. And, you know, it's, I'm lucky because right now I don't look back on that time so badly because now they really see what I'm after, you know, they're still worried and they're still like, 
you know, how's it going to work? But they're not so much like, what are you doing? You know, but back then it was very much like, what do you mean? Like you're set, you're set for life. And I was like, yeah, but I'm like not doing anything very fulfilling or in, in my perspective, very good, you know, and, and that was kind of important to me. Um, and a big thing for me was that, you know, I've grown up being kind of seen a little bit as the guy who takes risks. So I wanted to bring that to the screen. You know, I wanted to show brown people the way we're starting to see it a little bit now. But mm -hmm. again, like this was 2014, you know, so Cal Penn was, and maybe Utkarsh were the two guys, you know, and Asif Manbi, you know, that was pretty much it. But that, so, so that's very cool that you said that um, you were known as the guy who, who took risks, so you wanted to bring that to screen. Do you feel like in your, um, as, as a South Asian male artist, you had some sort of advantage there at that time to be able to take that risk and start getting roles, start putting yourself out there? Um, because I, I love that you said when your sister wanted to go into arts, they were all about it but wanted you to have a stable career. But going forward now, from, from what I've seen, a lot of uh, families, so I went, I went to an all women's um, undergrad film school. And now 75% of the girls I went to school with are married and have kids. And it's, it's just kind of seen as a, a pastime and a degree to put on your wedding certificate, not as a career. Right. Um, for you coming out of that and going into um, an artistic career, do you feel like it was it was an easier transition just in terms of like getting an agent and getting started? Yeah, you know, at the time, you know, now we're looking at it from a lens of right now. And now you see a lot more of, first of all, social media is much, you know, more prevalent in our lives. And you have a lot of this cultural talk, which I think even then was happening. But the term South Asian wasn't quite embedded in the industry yet, you know, South Asian. And I don't know if you guys know another term called Manasa, which is a catch-all term that they use for people of brown descent. Um, it's problematic, obviously, but, you know, they got to start somewhere. So that stands for Middle Eastern, uh, North African, South Asian. So they're like trying to be like, okay, others, you know, that's, that's kind of how it's put. And when I was starting... I really didn't, I was, I went in with saying that I see brown people on screen, but they're not like the people I know around me. And so I want to, and I still am, I feel like telling the stories of all the people around me, you know, friends, my coworkers, my like people I grew up with, even my friends back home are still not like the ones you really see on TV, you know, and that's how I pitched myself. But the difficult thing about film, as you guys know, is that there isn't really one path. And I didn't really have someone in the industry kind of guiding me. And so what I did was when I left banking, I printed out the Yale School curriculum because I was like, OK, I can't go to school again, but let me I still need to train. You know, I knew training was big. And I basically printed out the curriculum and I started finding teachers for each different track. So. I knew, okay, you need to work on your body. You need to learn script analysis. You need to learn um, play readings. You need to learn all these different things that that's how I kind of tackled it. And luckily enough, you know, when you go through that, you have some good teachers and you have some bad teachers. And two 
amazing teachers to this day. I still give them credit for a lot of what I've done. Uh, one was Penny Templeton Studio in New York City, and the other one was T. Schreiber, which is a, a very well-known theater school. And they both kind of told me that the way to learn is by doing theater. And I was like, nah, nah I'm, I'm trying to do film, you know, like, I don't want to do theater. Like, and they're like, no, no, you don't understand. Like, you have to. They're like Shakespeare, but also theater. And I didn't really know about any of that. And the way I got my agents was by booking a contract for theater that was almost one year. It was eight months out of the year. And that was really what set me up for everything, you know? And I, I will never, ever, ever question the role of theater again. And now I'm like, you know, much more, even the thing I'm working on now is theater, you know? Theater was what gave me pretty much everything. But it took me getting that to get an agent. You know, I had a manager um, and I just had to hustle and I had to like reach out to people. I did the cold mails out. I did the emails, but I really sent mailings out. And when I booked theater, that's when my manager was like, I'll set you up with some agents. Oh. That's, that was the thing that gets you a conversation because you can't fake theater, you know, like you can fake acting a little bit or like, you know, you can look good for a couple seconds, but theater, there's just no getting around it. And when I got that, yeah. And when I got that, you know, I didn't, I didn't really know what it was, but I was probably the most unprepared of the entire cast because that was my first thing, you know? Yeah. Um, and that set me up for everything, you know, and I learned doing that because that was like every day you have to go at it. That was school for me. Actually, that's how I felt too. When I actually got noticed by an agent is when I was on stage doing an off-Broadway play too. Before I was just like, I need to be in film. I need to do this. Yeah. And it was not until the moment that I was on stage facing the audience and realizing that everything is at the moment. That's yeah. when you truly are acting. Totally. And that's when totally. the agent noticed and everything like started coming into role. But yeah, I totally agree with you. Not until you do some form of theaters is not until you realize that this is what true acting is. Yeah. And, and theater, you know, the way I thought about it was very old school theater, you know, which, which I really didn't have an understanding of it. But when I started to learn and, you know, it was funny because when I got the offer of that place, I had an advantage in a way because I was so innocent that whether it's a big name or a small name, like I didn't know, I was just trying. <laughs> and then, you know, when I got it, they're like, this is huge. And I'm like, oh, really? I, I don't know what it is, you know? And then you go to Guthrie Theater in Minneapolis and do you guys watch The Office? Yes. Um, so Dwight, right? The guy who plays Dwight, Rain Wilson. Oh my God. I'm watching him and, you know, everyone's always like, man, guys like these, they just like came out of nowhere and just blew up. And when you go to the Guthrie, you see he's in every other year's production. Like, wow. he's been there, you know? And I'm like, then I started to like connect the dots a little bit. And I'm like, wow, this is where, this is where it happens. And especially him, you know, it, he is so good that you just kind of think he's just like that, but he's not, you know, he's been doing this for maybe 15, 20 years before it all happened for him. That's so cool. Did you ever get to meet him? No, I didn't get to meet Rain. I've gotten to meet some really cool people, but not Rain. I haven't met anyone from The Office. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I saw Fisher once at a play, but it was like, you know, it was just like a, hey, oh my God, I'm a big fan. Uh, totally a fan. <laughs> <laughs> So that's really cool. So you went from theater to short films and now you're doing a feature film. So in, in your time, start. so you said you started in 2014. Mm -hmm. So 
from from starting out in 2014 to where we are today in 2020, do you feel like the roles and opportunities for for a South Asian actor or actors have have developed from from what they were um, to what they are now? Like, yeah. You, so, sorry, yeah. I just wanted to add to that question. Are you getting fulfilling auditions for yourself compared to then to now? Yeah, you know, it, it's an interesting question because, you know, I, I should I should add that when I first got my agent, that's when you start to go through pilot season. So when I had a manager, 2014 was like the year of Mystic India and like getting getting work. Then I got a manager in representation and you start auditioning for legit work. So union work, um, non-union work in commercials, but that's when you start to really see all that. And I noticed that every year since 2015, which is the first year I like, or 2016 when I first had an agent, every year there are about three to four pilots about brown families, but they never get picked up. They are there, you know, but they never get picked up. So one of the first ones I went out for was an amazing idea of, a brown man with an American woman and how they raise their kids differently. And, you know, talking about things that we'd all relate to growing up in, in this country, but you get excited about them and then it never happens. And then you're like, oh man, I didn't get it first. And then you're like, oh man, it didn't get made. And then next year it happens again and then it happens again. And now what I'm seeing is they still develop it, but they're taking one or two. Mm-hmm. And the only problem I find is that it's still not quite at the level that we want it, you know, but there are more opportunities and it takes a star to greenlit it, which I think is also a little problematic because it doesn't always mean the best work gets out, you know. Um, but I do, even in 2015, there were pilots about us, but they just, the networks don't trust it, you know. Mm-hmm. And now with Netflix and I think with streaming, they've been able to take more risks and see it pay off. So when Brown Nation happened, I saw an example of how you can go straight to series without a network. And that was kind of a wake up call for me. And I think in general with the industry of seeing like, wow, but even never have I ever, you know, I still think it's like show number five or six with the Brown lead, you know, we're, we're not even double digits yet, you know, which is crazy. And that's super interesting you said that because um, I think for me, one of the first shows that I I felt like I was beginning to see representation was Alex Inc. with Zach Braff. And ABC had that on for one season. And I was so enthralled um, by the idea of like, you know, this, this Caucasian man and an Indian woman. Also because I date a Caucasian man. So I was like, this, this is super cute. I can like completely relate with this. Um, and then after one season... They were like, okay, see you, bye. And I was yeah. like, wait a minute, now I'm invested and I'm right. forever not going to have closure on this sauce. Yeah, yeah. It's, I was, it's that's why I was, sorry. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just saying, that's why when you brought up Never Have I Ever, I was super excited because they just very, very recently renewed it for another season. And um, I believe uh, Maitri Ramakrishnan and Purna Jagannathan are nominated for awards. Yeah, they are. Wow. Yeah, and they're the first, and if they win, they'll be the first South Asian women to do so. For I think they they do. Yeah, imagine if they do and people create more content, people actually watch it. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I remember when Riz won for the night of, you know, I was just like super excited. 
and and Purna is actually with my agency. So that's, that, cool. that's why I think they saw that it doesn't have to be, you know, my agency, I, I'm, I'm really lucky because they took me for who I was. You know, mm-hmm. they, I told them, you know, there's no lying around not having acting training, but mm-hmm. I told them what I was about and they respected that. And we've kind of been together ever since. Um, they, they're the kind of agency that's willing to see past the initial marketing to see what you're about. Um, and I think, I think that makes a big difference, you know, like having someone who's pushing for you and I can see like, you know, Purna has been in so many shows, you know, and it's a career that I, I model after because she's in some great shows. I think she's also in like, is it Big Little Lies? She's in one of those with Nicole Kidman and, and some people. And it's just like, what a career, you know, like, and she's building it. Like now she's having a nice moment with stuff, but she's been, she's been at it for a while, you know, um, fighting before, before even us, you know. Yeah. She's so talented too. I remember watching her in Luther, I believe. And I was just like mind blown to just observe, well, a South Asian woman and act so incredibly well too. I was just like, let me keep Googling her forever. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we're so used to seeing South Asian women in roles like, uh, like Sasbi Kabi Bahuti and yeah. those kind of like super dramatic things that when they actually are very good and talented um, and with their authentic uh, representation, I'm like, wow, yeah. that, that's so cool. That's so refreshing because I've never seen anyone behave like I have like on, on, um, on Hindi serials. Like yeah. I never come across those kind of people. So Zoom <laughs> that's called real acting <laughs> and, and the slapping like four or five times <laughs> i know i know it's yeah. it's 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 crazy and and you know people i used to get that question a lot in the beginning it's like oh are you gonna go to bollywood i'm like no mm-hmm. you know like <laughs> it was a pretty easy answer because i'm like there you're selling you know something that's just very song and dance and you, you know how it goes i mean it's evolving so much now which is amazing but it just wouldn't have ever been an avenue for me because I'd have to like not do anything that I would love. Yeah. And it, it's funny you brought that up. Um, I was watching uh, Chennai Express with, uh, <laughs> I was watching it with my boyfriend and um, halfway through this chase scene, uh, Charg and Deepika like stop in a field and start dancing. <laughs> he was utterly confused. He's like, but, but, but the mafia is after them. Why are they in an open field? Like where anyone can see them. And I'm like, just, just stop. Get used to it. Yeah. <laughs> it happens six more times. I remember watching Ye Jivani, Ye Jivani with my boyfriend who was Guyanese. So he has no clue. And he forgot his glasses. So he couldn't even read them. And he was just like, wait, what? Wait, what? It was hilarious. Well, I, I, I saw a Zoom speech with him too, and he was dying when the ocean just blew up from the water. He was like, "This is hilarious! How is this movie?" I know. I mean, I was gonna ask you guys where where you were when uh, Slumdog Millionaire came out because I was still in school, and I remember my one of my favorite professors who who passed away. He was my accounting professor, and I was in um, the scholars program, so we travel and we really bond and. You know, I was kind of telling these people like, hey, I'm kind of thinking of doing this thing. And they're like, I think you should go for it. And I was like, cool, you know, here's the thing. And they're like, look, Slumdog Millionaire. I, it was such a great movie, but like, why did they dance during the credits? And I'm like, That's oh. what I said. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I love oh that movie. Yeah. 
I was actually in acting class at Rutgers University when the movie came out and I all like the people were talking about the movie and they were like, oh, it's so good. And then I was like, yeah, but what, what about the dance? It doesn't make sense. And then a white person was like, but that's how Bollywood is though. But I was like, that, that wasn't the point. <laughs> yeah. It's a different kind of movie. Totally. Yeah. At least I didn't put it in the middle, you know, at least. <laughs> God. I feel like I don't have a lot to, to add to that because I was in like the eighth grade. <laughs> yeah. I was Did just you like, watch it first? What's that? Did you watch it in theaters? Uh, no, actually, I think I think I, we just watched it at home, and I thought it was it was a really great movie because like at the time I was, um, at that age I I was so used to watching like Kambaniga Karopati with uh, yeah. Amitabh Bachchan and, and sitting yeah. with my grandparents. So I I just loved that there was a movie like kind of around the same mm-hmm. theme. Um, and it was, I just thought it was really cool because I think shortly after that, the, the Pussycat Dolls covered um, J-Ho. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> wow. I, I thought it was the coolest thing ever. But of course, I loved I loved the movie for itself. But at the time, I wasn't really thinking of it as a filmmaker. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it, and it's and funny yeah. because that was the movie that got people talking, you know, about us, but just kind of started. And the fact that it won an Oscar, you know, mm-hmm. Whatever, whatever people think about the movie, it just gave us a little exposure. And, you know, someone like ARMON, like you, you want someone like him to get recognized. So um, I think in a way it did a lot because then they started to accept that you could do things in the culture. Yeah. Um, I have friends who didn't care for the movie, but I always stand by it because I'm like, it did so much just to give us a profile and yeah. a positive one, you know. The crazy part was I feel like that's still one of the movies um, America kind of judges us by because anytime right. I was I would be like oh yes like you know I'm an Indian filmmaker oh you've watched Slumdog Millionaire right that's not the only movie we made like trust me yeah that and Life of Pi right and, and most recently Gully Boy but I'm like there's there's so many other movies especially with Amir Khan yeah. I every single one of his movies I like I'm a huge fan of PK and Three Idiots that is yeah. amazing oh my gosh and Rangde so Basanti is incredible too, one of his movies. Which one? Rangde Basanti. Oh yeah, Rangde Basanti. Yeah. I love Rangde Basanti. Yeah. I saw PK very recently. I saw it during lockdown. And I was really impressed, you know, like, because I didn't actually hear much about it. But, you know, he, he's just one of those guys. Even, did you guys ever see uh, Deli Belly? You know, um, mm-hmm. really risky, like fun type of film. And, um you know, he just, he just does some, what was that movie he did where his wife directed it? Um, oh, maybe it was Deli Belly. There was one more that he did where it was him as a painter and it was, it was also shot in Mumbai. It was really good. Oh yeah. I remember that movie. I remember watching it. What was it called? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can't remember either, but you know, he's one of those that like, that's the kind of people I love where you just see something in them and then you start to follow them because you know, like one of my actors like that is Mark Duplass. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys know. Dobby yeah. God. Dobby God. Thank that you. That was an incredible Sorry. movie. Yeah. I was like, I remember watching it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like you talked about Mystic India a little bit, right? And we saw that you actually wrote and performed it yourself and traveled to Europe and USA. How was that experience like as an actor for you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, thanks for, thanks for asking. It's, 
that was definitely the first time, you know, like the first time for me. And it wasn't scripted film. It wasn't theater in the typical way. Mm -hmm. It was, um, I got found on backstage by Amit Shah, who runs it. And he, you know, called me in and he was telling me about a couple other actors uh, who did the role that I did. And he was like, you know, it's good exposure. You get to travel. Um, but most importantly, you get to be up on stage and like connect. And I remember he used to live near uh, Rutgers at the time. So he was like, let's have a meeting. And he showed me some of the tapes of what it was. And it actually had a much, um, uh, a much older Indian man playing the role before me. And he did it in a different way. And I was like, you know, I kind of have an idea of how to do this. Um, are you open to me kind of writing something? Because I love the idea because it was pretty much first seen as a dance show. And they were highlighting different types of dance through the show. And so with Amit, I was able to come up with something where I said, why don't we educate people about India? You know, like, cause you're going to all these country uh, states in the country. And it's a lot of people who, you know, again, they only know Slumdog Millionaire. So mm -hmm. I was like, why don't we use it as a educational entertainment aspect? Um, and we got to do that. And he hired a coach for the first show and this guy taught, uh, his name was Neil, can't remember his last name, but he taught at Pace University. He was one of the professors there. So he helped me hone the language and the performance in a really, like he taught me how to ride the laughs. You know, that was like a really, wow, like that skill set I still use. He, he taught me something so interesting, uh, which I'll share with you guys, because it's like so, so useful where he was like, if you make a joke, and I had a joke about like dosas and my mom like cooking dosas for me before like they did some like some of the Tamil songs and you would get a laugh at this moment where I wrote a joke and I was like, cool, that's how you write a joke. But I would wait for the laugh to die and then I would start my next thing. Mm. But what he taught me was if you hit it right before the laugh starts to go down, you can ride it and you can keep on a ride. And those kind of little things like, you know, where to stop versus where to move, you know, how to finish sentences while you're on stage, how to make it a little more theatrical with the use of, you know, body. Those were things, all things that I learned on Mystic. And they were just by doing, you know. Um, Mystic was before I got theater, you know, again, it was before I even wanted to do theater, but I was like, this is amazing exposure. I get to travel with a bunch of artists and it was like 45 dancers and me, you know. So, so it was, it was, it was a new experience for me, but I needed to surround myself with those kind of people because I was around, you know, office types. And so you needed that. And it, it gave me a lot of confidence to do what, to get my voice. I think that that's really what I take away from it. Like it gave me confidence. I found my voice in it. Um, I had an accent on that wasn't a typical Indian accent. It was much more like the way we talk, you know, or like people in Mumbai talk, not the way that they're perceived in life. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. from South Park. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So that was really, really awesome. And that that experience was just like one of those fusion of Bollywood and here. Um, but I just kind of made it a little bit my own and they still use that. And, you know, it, it just became like this really great collaboration. Um, and, you know, I have to think that it led to some of the theater wins down the line because then I started auditioning, mm -hmm. taking more classes, I had like money to put into those things. So it was really, it was a really good experience for me. 
I did it for a long time, like almost almost a year. Wow. Yeah. I, I love that you're this this energetic person who's like constantly doing stuff. You you don't seem to be able to sit still. <laughs> yeah. That's a, yeah. Yeah, and I, I love that. I feel like that's that's the same energy you bring to all of your work. And I'm I know this this I assume this lockdown and quarantine has been um hard on you, but you've also developed the series The Big Cues. Um can you tell us a little more about that? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I think I think creatives in general, I mean I mean I think humanity in general, we're like living through something, right? Like this is unprecedented and nobody could have really expected it. But I think with creatives, it's been a particular type of hurt because it sort of feels like we're not so valuable in a way. And, you know, already there's so much, this industry is so hard and you kind of have to like fight everything to get through. And even in our culture, you know, it's like, what are you, what are you doing? You know, it's, it's got that little, (laughs) but what are you doing really? (laughs) What's your full time? (laughs) Oh, and I should add, by the way, Amir Khan, um, you know, when, when I was before doing all this, before graduating college, um, my mom, I, I tell you guys that we're a family of artists. Like my mom used to be a journalist before we moved to this country. And she would interview like Rajnikanth and like all these people, like when I was a kid and she would bring me to these things. And I'm like, you're the reason I'm doing this. Like, yeah. you like, you know, expose me to the stuff. And we went to India one trip, just a normal family trip. And one of her um, colleagues was doing an interview with Amir Khan and she was like, do you want to come by and say hi? And that was it, you know, like he's doing an interview, but you can come and say hi. And my oh my mom excited and we went to say hi to him. And, you know, I'm like, I don't remember, like 14 or something. And I'm like, I want to be an actor. You know, how, how, how do I be an actor? You know, like doing this whole thing. And he kind of gave me that advice that I, I followed with banking after banking, where he said, whether you're an actor or a farmer or, you know, anything, anything that you do, you have to do it full on. Like you can't half do it. And I took that to mean that, you know, I have a lot of friends who talk about doing things and leaving work, but they still haven't, you know. Mm-hmm. And so that's part of why I had to leave banking and like full on go after this. I think that that helped, you know, because otherwise you're sort of chasing the paycheck, but you're also sort of chasing a dream and, you know, it doesn't quite go hand in hand. Um, so anyway, with, with lockdown, it's the same kind of thinking. I was like, well, industry is not going and I can't, we can't like expect other people to do things for us all the time. And so it really came out of me trying to discover IGTV, learn new skills. I uh, started editing on Filmora instead of iMovie and basic stuff like that. Um, and I just started to learn and I was like, you know what, maybe, and, and when I hang out with my friends, they're always like, what are you watching? Um, and so I was like, maybe we could do something. And so my girlfriend and I, and she was, she was stuck in California. So we were separated during lockdown. So that added to it. Right. Cause I really had very, very little to do. And so I'm like, what, what can I do to keep it going? And so we kind of came up with this, but we didn't know what to call it. So I'm like, oh man, like we got this concept, like that's the big cue. Like, what is this thing? That's the question. And then it was like, wait, the big cue <laughs> came out from that. Um, and and it, we didn't know what to start with, even though we had the idea and then never have I ever came out. And it just kind of, you know, 
it was it just kind of worked that that was the thing for us to talk about. And again, saying what we all were saying, which is I heard a lot of criticism around it. And I was like, guys, we should be celebrating this because we don't have a lot already. You know, like not wins. Yeah. And the next Brown show isn't going to be speaking to everyone. You know, it's like nobody expects the next like show with a Caucasian male to be speaking to everybody. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think that's like you need these things. And I, I keep feeling like every win, you know, master of none, all that stuff leads to us being able to do the work that we want to do. Um, so the Big Q has been fun. We're, we try to come out with an episode every two weeks, um, similar to what you guys are doing with the podcast. It's just like a really good way for us to connect and like, you know, put ourselves out there without waiting for the film sets and the crew and the script. Um, exactly, yeah. And that, that's one of the things uh, Bamika and I talked about because very much like how you said you came up with the idea for... Uh, uh, the big Q. For me, it. I was I was literally like, uh, just going about my day, and then suddenly it popped. I, I was I've been thinking about creating um, a podcast, and feature, featuring like South Asians, just because when I first came to Atlanta, I didn't see a very big um, Indian film community, and then I met Brahmika, and she introduced me to all these people, and I thought it was it was like the most uh, incredible thing to to see and work with other people who were just like me. Um, and I, so so in, in that, I started thinking about it and I was like, but what am I gonna call it? There's like already so many other shows uh, out there. And um, literally, I think I was like in the middle of a shower and then like, <laughs> I, it, it like popped in my head, like the brown film folk, cause it's like, it's also play on like the BFF. So BFF, like, oh, you're, you're, you're totally name. Yeah. <laughs> your neighborhood, okay. your friendly neighborhood brown film folk. And I, I've never finished a shower faster. <laughs> I was like, I need to buy the domain name. I need yeah. to like set up the website. <laughs> and then I texted Brahmika and like 30 seconds later, I'm like, come on. <laughs> yeah, as soon as she texted me, I was like, yeah, that sounds fun. Yes. <laughs> we, we got on a call like a day later and I was, she was like, oh, so what, what are we going to call it and stuff? And I was like, oh, I already know what I call it. I've already <laughs> bought the domain name. Just, just come, let's like do this. I love um, it. I know. I mean, that's, that's the thing, you know, when we like, it's like deadlines for artists, you know? You give us, you give us like, you push us against the wall and something's going to come out, you know, which <laughs> is really awesome. Like, I think it's great that you guys are doing this. And like, you know, I think what's important for other brown people to see is like, I didn't have anyone telling me it was okay, you know, mm -hmm. and I, I wish more people saw that, you know, and, and sometimes I think there's a disconnect between the stars and, you know, the people coming up, mm -hmm. like, because after the fact, it's so easy to be like, you know, here's how it happened. Yeah. But I'm, I'm so curious about people doing it and getting up there and how they do that. Right. Um, so I think it's awesome that you guys are doing this, you know, and I'm happy to contribute a, a small little sliver of, of what I know uh, to it. Yeah, of course, when I met you as an extra for the commercial for Grammarly, I was just like, there's a brown kid. Okay, I need to ask <laughs> questions. What do I need to ask? And I had yeah. so many questions in my head, but like you were busy, I was busy. And I was like, I need to get his contact information, figure out totally. what he's doing, how he's doing. Yeah, they like stalked him because he was brown. <laughs> and it's so funny because like in, when you see another brown person um, just anywhere, you're like, there's another one. Like <laughs> yeah. despite the fact that there's like 2 billion of us. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. <laughs> but, but this has been so cool. Thank you so much for uh, 
allowing us to take uh, this time with you. Um, in closing, is there anything or any advice you'd give to upcoming filmmakers? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Brahmika talking about that Google shoot, you know, it, commercials aren't always the most rewarding. You know, they're, they tend to be very like touch and go. But, you know, that shoot was really special because the director and I kind of clicked and we like talked about things the way you would on a film set, um, which I, I really like. I love that, you know, and I still keep in touch with Mustache. Like I send him my work. Um, one of my, you know, in a funny like coincidence, one of my best friend's wife's sister got a job there afterwards. And I was like, oh my God, like I did a spot with them. They're like, oh, you were the Grammarly? And then, you know, it just kind of like went into that. And I met one of the other guys at the Grammarly spot. Um, and and that and um, the film, there were a couple of these, and this ties into my, my thing about advice, but like, there's a couple of really, really awesome sets that I've been on, and that was one of them. Um, Billions and with this movie I did called The Sound of Silence with Peter Sasgard. These were like a couple of these sets where the way I think about the game is how it played out. You know, like the way that the onset vibe was, the way that we talk about the work, the way we bounce ideas off each other and try things. Like it doesn't always happen that way, but sometimes it's just like magical. Mm -hmm. And that was one of them where we were telling a story through a commercial. And I've had so many people write to me about that spot. You know, people I haven't seen or talked to in a long time because they were like, I get it. Like that spot spoke to people about how hard it is to kind of do stuff on your own and try to like put it out there. And I think that building community has been about, for me, building community, do doing the work. Cause I didn't go to film school. I like try to make friends at the different studios that I'm at. But I think it's really important to have friends who are not just actors, but writers, developers, you know, people who work, like I have friends who work at NBC, but not in a very typical creative capacity, but they see the shows that are being made. And I think for us to like move forward, we have to have not just other actors, but writers and directors, you know, those people are so important because without them, we don't get to make this stuff. Right. Um, and I think like my advice would really be to seek out those kind of people. And I always tell people to dream big, but you got to do something a little bit, if not every day, every week to move towards it, you know, mm -hmm. um, that's the advice that I got. And, you know, when I was on set with Peter Sasgard, we just vibed, like we, we had a mutual appreciation for soccer, but that led to a couple of things where he told me a couple of little tricks, you know, and little things. And he, they always say like, number one on the call sheet sets the tone. And he set the tone of just being this really great guy. And then that gave me a good relationship with the director. Then the director, when they got into Sundance, I asked him like, could I get a, like a ticket there? And he was like, yeah. And then me and the girlfriend went out there. And then, then that led to meeting the other director who hired me for the next film. Okay. So it really is that thing, you know, and it's partly who you know, but I think it's also opening the mind to realizing that there's a way to meet people that are not just the people that you think are going to be able to make it for you. Right. Um, and, and I think now when I have two jobs, I think about that. Um, this, this workshop I'm working on is with uh, Rob Yang. Do you guys watch Succession? Um, he's, yeah, it's, it's a great show. It's, it's a comedy, by the way. It's a okay. comedic drama. It's, it's fascinating. 
And there's a, there's an Asian guy who, who has a startup in that and he's in this reading and, you know, you don't get to know all that until you get the job, but then you get the job and you're like, wow. And then you start to vibe with these people because you're both of the same thing. And right. I think that, that's a big thing I, I learned. And, you know, I, I'm like constantly trying to like, not reinvent to say change, but build new skill sets so I can communicate with people in all branches of lighting, mm -hmm. camera, directing, writing, all that kind of stuff. I think that's really important. That's, awesome. that's really cool. I, I love that you said that because we, oftentimes we have this notion that the film community is so big, like how am I ever gonna like meet the people who can help me? But in reality, it's so small because everybody it invariably knows everybody. So that's, that's really cool. It's all about the network and just, just be a good person wherever you go. Yeah. And that, that will take you places by itself. Yeah, like you never know. Even when we, we met, you know, you just don't know how it's going to be. And I think I've been on sets where people don't treat the people lower as well. And, you know, maybe some people can get away with it. But I think it's just important because you really never know, like, the guy, you know, working in the ad agency could be the guy making the next movie that you're in. Yeah. And um, there's an energy feel too that you start to get with people that starts to like play into the work, um, which is which is really cool. And automatically, just as a nice person, you're like at the top of people's minds anytime yeah. like, the job comes up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what they're testing you on, you know, a callback, you know, when we were doing it in person, they're first checking to see if they can work with you. You know, I... I got some great advice where they're like, sometimes they give you notes, not because that's the way they want it. They just want to see how you take it, you know? Yeah. And if you're like, I don't know, and they're like, okay, you know, next. Oh, no. No, that's <laughs> because I, I oftentimes, so I'm not an actor. I've, I'm a writer, director, producer. And a lot of times when I've worked on corporate shoots, um, I, because I, I come from the student community, I invariably know a lot of people on, on that end of it who are starting out. And so when they've applied for like internships or just work, and I already work with the company, uh, my superiors will often ask me like, are they a nice person to work with? Do yes. we want to see them for 12, 14 hours on set? Yeah. And uh, it's, it's good to be able to see how, what happens on the other side. Like, it's not even, are they good? Like, sure, they'll learn, but do I, do I want to deal with them for 12, 14 hours? That's, yeah. Yeah, that's it's mostly, mostly about like how well you can take the stress too. I like when I got into legacies, I'm into like, I just ask questions. I don't care who you are, what you are. I'm just like, Hey, so, so the director, I was like, why did you pick me compared to like other ethnic women? And then he was just like, you just felt like you could work well on set. And that's all he said. So it's mostly yeah. about how well you can work on set, whether or not you can take the stress or not. Cause the entire day we were outside in the cold and wow. he was just like, are you going to complain or not? That's all I want. Yeah. 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 It's, it's such a big thing. And like, you know, people remember, you know, there, I think every, everyone who works in this field also has like experiences that don't work out, you know, like whether it's a callback from me or like a project that didn't happen or didn't get produced or, Hey, they loved your idea, but they picked someone else, you know, writing competitions, all that stuff. Right. But I do think that if you do a pretty good job, they remember you. And when the time's right, you know, it can happen. Mm -hmm. um, and I've, I've experienced that where I had no idea, but then the casting director calls me in again for a different project. And they're like, yeah, do you remember when you came in for this? Like, that's when I knew. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, so I'm like, right, that's, it's connected. So like, we talked about building the community and stuff too, right? Like, what would you tell people that are feeling low and like not getting auditions right now? How do you keep your voice strong to keep going ahead? 
Yeah, yeah, I know. It's it's such a tough one, you know. I think that definitely one of the things I've been doing, I'll speak to that. It's like I've been watching stuff, but I try to reach out to the people who made it. And I try to tell them what it is about it that changed me or helped me. So, for instance, I watched The Lighthouse. I don't know if you guys have seen that. And, you know, like, I get into it. Like, if I like something, I, like, look up who made it and, like, get into all that stuff and see the connections. And I reached out to one of the producers and on Instagram. And I basically was like, hey, long message ahead, but, you know, it's not anything that needs a response. I'm just telling you how it affected me. And it really did. And she was so compassionate about it you know she like responded in length about certain things and I asked her a question about how it was in the script and she gave me that answer so I think people can do that you know like it's true that auditioning and all it's just really tough right now Mm -hmm. you know everyone's feeling it but since there's so much content out there why not take that extra step of like seeing how it might resonate with someone um you know, and, and there's foreign films too, you know, it's not just English films. Like I try to watch, I just saw a movie called Nobody Knows I'm Here. It has the guy from Lost, which I, I actually never watched, but it's Spanish, amazing film. Wow. And this guy transforms. Oh, and I was just like, holy crap. Like there's just so much stuff out there that I think, I think I, I tell people like, why not try to reach out to people and tell them how, how it impacted you during this time? Because you know, even the people who are typically okay are also suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing is also try to do work on your own. Like, I like to use stuff from films for myself, you know? It doesn't go on Instagram. It doesn't really go anywhere. But that's why I like it, because it's just mm-hmm. like, it's for me. You know, how would I do this monologue? Or how would I take on the scene? And I like to look up scripts, because sometimes when you see it on film, like, I just watched Palm Springs, which was... Uh, it was hilarious. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so good. Yeah. And when you watch the movie and you read the script, you really see some of the jumps they had to make. You know, some of it is just like, you know, they're like, he, he grooves to the music and like is in sync with the beat. Mm-hmm. And when you see the movie and how he did that dance sequence, I'm like, wow, none of that was in the script. Like he just collaborated with the filmmakers to get that. But they were just like, here's what it needs to show. I like, I like doing that too, like looking up scripts of things that I like to see how it translates from script to screen. I love it. Just keep you being resourceful and keep playing around no matter what. I love it. Yeah, the craft, you know, like as, as typical as that sounds, like I'm, I'm a craft junkie, like I get into it, you know. Um, and, the, and the thing about our work is like at the end, you've got to just let it all go and trust mm-hmm. it, right? Like you can't be thinking about like at this moment, da 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 you know, but until that moment, you have to. <laughs> <laughs> That's really awesome. And thank you so much for sharing all of your thoughts and your time. This has been very insightful. Um, I'm glad. No, seriously, thank you so much for agreeing to do the podcast. I felt like we were just having fun and conversing and just learning about each other, which was incredible. But before you go, I do still want to do the stereo what? Yeah, our IG page because I feel like it'll be hilarious to talk about your stereotypes within the culture that you 
didn't like, but you also can't live without. Like when my mom, I, when I leave the house, my mom has to put Vibhuti on me. That's something that she has to do. And I don't like it, but it's something that I can't live without nowadays too. Like if I'm living alone, I'm like putting Vibhuti and like taking it off and then going out. Yeah. <laughs> like that for you. I know. What is that for me? You know, I mean, the, the big thing is like, you know, I, I'm, I'm back in the city now, but for a lot of lockdown, I was at home. And it's like, it's like this conversation about what do you want to eat, you know, is like <laughs> no question. Like, I really don't plan. And like, I can like cook dal and stuff now, you know, which is like, it's, I know it's easy, but like for me, it's like, I, I didn't do that. And like, I, at first, like the first three weeks were like, okay, cool. I'm like doing things that I've never done and like IP and all that stuff. Um, and I'm like, and and I think for me, it's like my mom, it's like before before any show, like before this workshop this morning, she's like, did you eat? And I'm like, that's not the thing, mom. Like, that's not the thing that's going to make or break, you know, my performance or like anything to do with anything. And it's like this, did you eat thing? And I, I like, you know, sometimes we like get into like funny, like fights about it. And I'm like, mom, you don't have to always like be on my case about it. She's like, you know, as an Indian woman, like most deep she ever gets, you know, she's like an Indian woman. I feel like I, it just, I have to do it. Otherwise I feel like I'm not doing enough for my children. And I'm like, okay, you know, if that's the case, let's talk about it one time during the day and not do it again. <laughs> like every, every meal. Yep. But like, that's, that's like, and it's like, even now, you know, when I call her afterwards, she'll be like, what did you eat? And I'm like, I guess that's, that's what we talk about. You know, <laughs> it's not about what choices did you make and how did the scene partner feel? It's just like, well, what did you eat? And what are you planning to eat? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I live with my parents right now. So I'm always afraid that my mom is going to knock on the door and be like, do you want to eat? Do you want to talk? <laughs> I'm always scared of that. I know. That I, I don't live with my family um, because they're all back in India. But I, I, I talk to my grandmom every every day at 11.30 a.m. because that's like 9 p.m. for her. Yeah. Uh, we've done this for seven, over over seven years now. Um, but every time I, every single day I call her and she'll be like, have you had breakfast? And I'll be like, <laughs> no. She's like, okay, I'll talk to you tomorrow. You go eat breakfast first. <laughs> the whole day. Can I just finish talking to you? I have to go to work after this. No, no, you eat breakfast and then you tell me what you had for breakfast. That's a picture too. Like we live continents apart and that's all we can, you're going to ask me, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's like they need that to like own in. I think it's also something to do with like, then they can input something, you know, it's like, oh, well, that's not good. Because like, <laughs> if I talk about my work, they really have nothing to say, you know, like they're always like, <laughs> yep that's, that's, like, that's when that. I told my parents I got a new agent they were just like what does that mean yeah. <laughs> like now will you work with Priyanka Chopra it's like yeah. <laughs> that's right yeah oh my god yeah. thank you yeah. so much I did this yeah. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so fun. thanks guys this is so fun and you know happy to jump on again and as, as you guys develop it you know if there's things to talk about or shows to talk about, you know, I think it's, it's great that we're doing this. So super fun. For sure. Absolutely. We would love to have you back. And I, I feel like as we go forward, as this develops, we'll probably like have workshops where you can like to teach people your, your uh, process. Cause that was really cool. Just listening to how you go about creating content. 
I yeah. love yeah, that. Yeah, and, and I think like, you know, I think I always come from a place of like, I don't know all the answers, but I'm willing to like, at least ask the right questions and adapt. Um, and I think, I think anyone who kind of feels like, you know, even the people really high up that I've met are not these people who are like, I got it all figured out. You know, they're just beginners at every stage. And I, I like, that's how this, this career and this life is going to be like, you know, it's like always learning, always trying to improve and looking for that next like angle in, um, which is what's interesting. Right. Yeah. It's always uncertain. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Thank you so much, Abit. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you again. Have a great rest of your week. You too. We'll talk okay. to you soon. Take care. Yeah. Bye. That was fun. That was amazing. Adit, oh my gosh. He is, he's just such a ball of energy. And he had, he had some amazing stuff to say. Um, I'm actually glad I asked him now, too, because when I was working with him on set, it was just like, you know, work, and I wasn't able to interview as much as I wanted to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like one or two questions. Are, are, are you going to say interview or interrogate? Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm excited to, like, you were excited. I was excited to see you being a brown girl in Atlanta. So when yeah. I saw him in New York City and he was brown, I was like, oh, another brown person. I have so yeah. many questions in my head. Right. I love, I love what he said about when you choose to do something you love, you need to be all in. Right. And I feel like that's something so many of us struggle with is, is do I have a steady nine to five job and then do this as my hobby? And obviously in this changing um, economic climate, it's hard to make those decisions because you're not only making it for yourself, you're possibly in some situations making it for your family. But but yeah, I think that's that's like one of the key takeaways mm-hmm. is just oh that and also the part where he said like if you don't ask, the answer is always gonna be no. Exactly. At least that was my understanding. Yeah, and the fact that he like Googles everything, I feel like that's so resourceful. Just because you don't know someone doesn't mean you can't email them or contact them to get to know them. Yeah. Building the community is a key, especially for us South Asians or just in general at filmmakers and industry. It's not about like what you know, it's mostly about who you know and how you can connect with. So yeah. like you said, just he met someone on set and that led to something else and that led to something else. And that's the whole point. You never know what can happen. As long as you keep going and building connections, I felt like that truly is the key. Yep, absolutely. So for all of you listening, two key takeaways. Mm-hmm. If you don't ask, the answer will always be no. Mm-hmm. And if pursuing your artistic career is your passion, you need to be all in. And I think that's, those are some of the most profound things yep. um, that we can remind ourselves of in this day and age, because it's... Um, it's, one it's of tough those. times, but we got this. We just got to yeah. keep going. Yeah, got to keep going. Like, oh, just keep swimming like Dory. Just keep swimming. <laughs> I, I love that movie. The, like for, <laughs> for I, I, I found myself saying just keep swimming in like so many situations. Same. <laughs> but I'm like, it's Dory. I'm, I'm in my 20s. I'm singing this fish song. It's all good. <laughs> it like resonates with us. Even I think... Day before yesterday, I went on a hike and I was dying because I was studying the whole time before and I had no energy to go on a hike. And I just kept telling myself, let's keep swimming. Let's keep swimming. And my friends were like, we're walking. You know, <laughs> 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 <Keep swimming. laughs> 
I, I admire you for having the energy to go on a hike. I'm just. We should I'm, go on a hike, Natasha. We can go hike in my backyard. That's <laughs> as far as I'm going. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I would love to. Like in my head, I have these, these um, images of grandeur of hiking in the mountains. And then I remind myself that I don't have that stamina. Yes, I'm do. okay with that. <laughs> you do. I know you do. <laughs> you have that. <laughs> you have the same faith in me as my parents did when they said you'll do fine in engineering. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you all so much for joining us for another week of the Brown Foam Folk Podcast. And as always, we have some really cool people coming up to talk to. And we can't wait. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you guys next week. Bye. From Bye. BFF. <laughs> 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 <laughs>